to an audacious episode of the Play It As It Lies podcast coming straight to your ears. It is I, Rodham Kaufman, and with me, as always, my wonderful co-host, Frank Blacko. How you doing? I'm doing good, Rodham. How about yourself? Uh, well, I'm doing good, uh, you know, on this lovely day in which we got to see football on a Wednesday afternoon. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, happy about that. Not too happy with the result of it, but, uh, you know, we let bygones be bygones. We do. That's right. A Wednesday afternoon football game just when you thought that 2020 could not get any stranger uh only the second game in nfl history that has been played on a wednesday the other being in 2012 oddly enough des bryant the common denominator in both of those games as a member of the cowboys in 2012 and as a member of the ravens this time around so whatever team he ends up playing for next if there is another team in his career i would be willing to bet that Somehow, some way, another game on Wednesday will be in the future. Yeah, Mr. Bryant loves throwing up the X on oddities on the scheduling, but he might be one of the first players to throw up the X on a Week 18. The NFL's first possible Week 18 could be coming this season. Uh, this week seemed to be the best possible week for it to happen, but we still have just a few ones to go. Uh, maybe another game gets delayed. So, Frank, knowing that, seeing what happened with the Broncos game, the Ravens game that got delayed three times, do you think that Week 18 will end up happening? Uh, and will you bet on it uh, with the possible yes at plus 110 and the no at minus 150? Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely some value there. Plus 110 for yes. I mean, this was without a doubt the most tumultuous week, week and a half of NFL football, not just this season, but in really quite some time, perhaps ever. I mean, you, you couldn't possibly make up a crazier sequence of events, but it really seems like Roger Goodell and the NFL are determined to do everything in their power to avoid having to add an additional week on to the end of the season. It's hard to imagine that it's going to happen ever if it wasn't going to happen this week. I mean, you had a Broncos team that played with no active quarterbacks on the roster, and then you had a Ravens and Steelers game that was postponed not once, not twice, but three times. And like we said, it was played on a Wednesday afternoon in the middle of the week. And it it's not hard to envision further outbreaks uh, from COVID-19 coming in the near future, like we saw with the Ravens team, just based on the nature of the virus, the nature of everything going on. I see why minus one, the no is minus 150. I don't think the NFL wants to play a week 18 unless they absolutely have to. And that's a problem that comes down really to Commissioner Goodell and the front office avoiding that situation. I mean, I think if in the cards from the beginning of the season, they kind of had planned for a week 18, but just wanted to not have it there, which is, I think, what we were anticipating to happen. Uh, it, it seems like there wasn't a backup plan. The fact that they pushed it all the way to Wednesday kind of shows that Goodell will avoid anything than having a week 18 further pushing away the playoff schedule and potentially throwing some games into question later in the season. So I would have to agree with you that the no, I understand why it's minus 150, but I mean, come on, 31 NFL teams posted positives in the last 10 days. It, it, it's kind of a ridiculous assumption. And congratulations to the Seahawks for being the one team that didn't post a positive. But it, it's well kind done. of a ridiculous assumption that what happened to the Ravens, what happened to the Broncos, what happened to the Niners won't happen to any team. And, you know, we, we talked about how COVID was the runner-up and MVP conversation behind Mahomes. But uh, one game out, and maybe COVID takes that place, and I wouldn't be surprised if it happens. COVID is definitely a 1B to Patrick Mahomes, 1A in the MVP spot right now. And I dare say that COVID is the only thing capable of taking down the Chiefs at the moment, which we'll talk about later. But yeah, like you mentioned, I mean, it, with what we saw with the Broncos and the Ravens this week, and these are those are just the two major instances, but of course you see almost every team has multiple players uh, on the reserve COVID list every week, and they can't play. And it seems to be happening with greater frequency in recent weeks, and it's hard to imagine that that does not continue. Uh, I know you and I and NFL fans everywhere would love to see just a regular season without a week 18 and everything can proceed as normal and everyone's healthy and safe, but uh, it can't always be perfect. And we'll have to make do with what happens. Yeah, that's true. And uh, optimism is the best bet here. 
but we'll have to see for the rest of Week 13 what the best bets are. Uh, and that, of course, starts us off on Sunday. There is no Thursday Night Football. This TNF will be replaced by Tuesday Night Football, uh, which we'll get to at the end of the week. But we start off here with an NFC South matchup of the Saints at the Falcons. Just two weeks ago, these two teams phased off in New Orleans with a Saints victory to the tune of 24-9. to uh, Which just happened to be Taysom Hill's first start at quarterback in so far. He's 2 for 0 He just went in a 31-3 victory over the just-spoken-about Broncos, who had no quarterbacks, whereas the Falcons come in on a blowout of their own, a 41-6 victory over the Las Vegas, and they don't deserve it this time, so I'm just going to say Raiders. Mm. Uh, you know, two teams coming off huge, huge victories. Uh, but Frank, you know, NFC South matchup, do you see more victories in Taysom's future? I'm going to say yes, but this is a game I would 100% stay away from and the reason being this falcons team i said last week that they were the ultimate jekyll and hyde team in the nfl right now and we saw exactly why we both thought that they were a shoe-in to lose that game against the raiders and why wouldn't they be i mean the falcons not a great team coming into that matchup whereas the raiders had taken the chiefs down to the wire and were firmly in the conversation for a playoff spot in the afc so, of course, naturally, the Falcons not just beat the Raiders, but absolutely destroyed them. Like you said, 41-6. to And whenever it seems like whenever we put our faith in the Falcons uh, in these preview episodes, they let us down. And whenever we don't, they prove us wrong and somehow find ways to outperform everyone's expectations. But the Saints are on a roll. They've won their past eight games. They're the number one seed in the NFC. Uh, they're winning with Taysom Hill, and funny enough, without Drew Brees in the lineup, they're 7-0 in the past seven games when Drew Brees has not been active. So betting against the Falcons, like I said, is risky uh, for all the reasons mentioned, but the Saints are the better team. They're, it's only a two-and-a-half point spread, so I'll close my eyes and say that the Saints will win this game and cover. Yeah, it's a risky proposition. Uh, we spent quite a solid amount of time trashing the Falcons last week, and we ended up being utterly wrong. Um, and, you know, the, the Raiders had an awful time going up against them. Apparently, this Falcons defense decides to play football every once in a while. Uh, mm-hmm. But the defense on the other side of the line from them this week is going to be the best team in football. Uh, I love talking about how good the Steelers is, but very quietly, number one ranked defense in the NFL right now, New Orleans Saints. Fifth against no, you the don't pass, say. Second against the run, number five in points per allowed. Uh, 33 sacks, eight of them came against the Falcons just two weeks ago. I don't really know what to trust in this Taysom Hill offense. As an owner of Alvin Kamara on my fantasy team, I'm not too happy about it. But they have a three-pronged approach that just seems to be unstoppable. And a lot like the Ravens of last year, without a full season of tape, it's hard to understand what's really going on when Taysom Hill, Platavius Murray, and Alvin Kamara are all at the field at the same time. You don't really know where the ball is going. I have faith in this coaching staff right now uh, that they will keep it continuously strange. Uh, and that is something that a Falcon staff that is missing their originally starting head coach and probably doesn't have as much confidence as it should, uh, it will not be able to compete. Uh, and so I think actually, I- I'm I'm hesitating in saying I think this is an easy call for the Saints because obviously I thought it was an easy call uh. for the prior week. But I, I don't know. I-, I, just, I-, I think this is a Hyde performance more than a Jekyll. Well, I think you should retract your statement that this is an easy call immediately because we're both going to be wrong if you stay that, because naturally the Falcons are going to win this game uh, by 30, by 35 points. So I think you should take that back right now. You know, I do take it back questionably, hesitantly on the Saints. Uh, I do think another good day for the Taysom Hill running attack. Uh, but we'll have to see if Matty Ice can keep up with it. Uh, though I bet the next game is going to be a game of running even more. As Derrick Henry, King Derrick Henry, I may add, King of the AFC South, will be taking on the Cleveland Browns in his home stadium. Tennessee just came off a 45-26 to divisional win, putting Tennessee at the top of the AFC South, whereas Cleveland is coming off a surprisingly close 27-25 to game against the Jacksonville Jaguars and Mike Glennon. The Cleveland money line here is at plus 205, whereas the Tennessee spread is at minus 6, a whopping minus 6 for a matchup between two teams that have the same record, Frank. Uh, I know you're a known Browns hater. Will you continue <laughs> hating on the Browns? Well, I think saying I'm a Browns hater might be going a little bit too far. I would more so consider myself a Browns truther. But the Titans in their past 10 games, when they've been favored by three or more points, as they are in this game, 
they're eight and two overall. And in the past 11 games that the Browns have played away from Cleveland, they're one and 10 against the spread and just three and eight overall. And that includes last Sunday's game in Jacksonville, which, as I predicted, they did not cover their six and a half point spread when they were favored. These are the number one and number three ranked rushing attacks in the NFL. And I think the Browns have pretty much copied the Titans formula from last season and this season pretty effectively. I mean, they run the ball. They don't ask their quarterback to do all that much. And their play-action passing game can be potent when the running game is working. But the Titans have the better running back in this game. They have the better quarterback in this game. And I think they just have the better team overall. I also think they have a, a coaching advantage, I would say. And the Browns are 8-3. and three. They've won three straight games after the bye week. But they just haven't been all that impressive. Their past three games, each coming by five-point margins or less. And we saw the Browns, their, two of their losses this season were, was a 38-6 loss to the Ravens and a 38-7 loss against the Steelers. And I feel like this Titans team is way closer to the mold of Pittsburgh than that of Jacksonville, Philadelphia, or Houston, the three teams that the Browns have beaten recently. So I like the Titans here at home to win this game by a touchdown, therefore covering that six-point spread. And I can understand all that. You know, the mold that they have in Tennessee is one that is fantastic when you have talented running backs like Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb and, of course, Derrick Henry. Uh, but you're kind of putting past the other side of the ball here. The Tennessee Titans are having an awful, awful year on the defensive side. Uh, and that is something you can't look past when you're talking about a Browns defense that has looked quite good. I would say a top 10 defense in the run game. Maybe their pass game isn't as great, but let's be honest, when you're playing the Titans, if you can stop the run, you're winning the game. Uh, I don't think they're going to stop Derrick Henry, but I don't think that the Titans are going to be able to stop Nick Chubb either. Either team is going to score enough points uh, to make that minus six a reality for the Titans. And uh, at the end of the day, the better running attack combined with the better defense is the one that's going to win. And King Henry can't play both sides of the ball. That's true. He can't. And I think you make some good points. I would say that whoever gets possession first in this game, I think that's actually going to be pretty crucial because with the way that these two teams are similarly structured in the sense that they control the game on the ground and they control time of possession. Uh, whichever team gets off to the faster start is going to be better positioned uh, moving into the second, third, and fourth quarters. And you talked about Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Uh, believe it or not, Rotom, they are both currently on pace to rush for over 1,000 yards this season. And that is with Nick Chubb missing, of course, a few games due to injury. But he's on pace for 1,046 rushing yards. And Kareem Hunt... 1,027 rushing yards. Uh, do you think that could actually happen? And if you do, it's plus 150 yes and minus 200 no. I think I, I would stand with the plus 150. I just like how this running attack uh, continues to happen. Uh, every single week, we kind of talk about how Baker might not get it done. The receivers are a little bit lackluster. But at the end of the day, they are ground and pound week in and week out. And you've got to have faith in both these incredibly talented running backs. Yeah, I mean, that'd be kind of unprecedented. I mean, I can't recall the last time a team had two 1,000-yard rushers from the running back position. I know last year the Ravens had uh, Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram both rush for over 1,000 yards. But uh, it, it would definitely be something to marvel at. If it happens, it would certainly bode well for the Browns' hopes moving forward. The last two 1,000-yard rusher duo was uh, Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams for the Panthers back in 2009, the old thunder and lightning combo. Uh, Those are names. Those are names. I hope you remember them. They both played incredibly well, and uh, I I would dare compare them to Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. But we're going to have to keep moving along here to the team that the Browns beat last weekend, the Jaguars, who will be coming into Bank of America Stadium in Minnesota uh, to play the Minnesota Vikings. As mentioned, the Jaguars coming off a 25-27 loss to Cleveland, whereas Minnesota is coming off a last-second 28-27 victory versus the Carolina Panthers, thanks to a Joey Sly, the Sly guy, missing the game-winning field goal. Minnesota here is favored by a whopping 10, double-digit, spread uh with jacksonville in the money line at plus 330 frank i think you've taken the jaguars to cover their spread for the last three weeks will you continue to be doing the same i am going to and it's a strategy that with the exception of their week 11 24 point loss to the steelers has actually been working out uh since their bye week in week eight they lost to houston by two points 
Green Bay by four points. And last week, of course, to Cleveland only by two points. So we know the Jaguars are bad. Uh, that's for certain. Of course, they only have one win on the season. They're four and 16 against the spread in their last 20 games against NFC teams. And even uglier is the fact that they're three and 17 straight up in those games. So it seems like the Vikings are a good bet to win this game. But the Jaguars, for better or for worse, they keep finding themselves in positions to win games late somehow. And 10 point spread for this Vikings team seems very optimistic. And last time, Rotom, the Vikings were favored by a touchdown just a couple weeks ago against the Cowboys. You bet against them, and it worked out well. So I would imagine you're on board with me with this one. Yeah, and it's a lot of the same reasons that I took that Cowboys money line just two weeks ago. And it's, you know, we're just moving on to a different quarterback that likes to throw to random positions on the field, which is something the Vikings have had trouble with every single week. And I have an incredibly soft spot in my heart for Mr. Mike Lennon. Uh, him and many quarterbacks like him who have just been thrown aside for better-named quarterbacks in the draft, uh, a la A.J. McCarron. Uh, I would dare say Tyrod Taylor as well. Uh, they're quarterbacks that, that just deserve a chance, and I'm really glad that he's getting this chance here. Uh, and he is the model of quarterback, as we saw from Andy Dalton just two weeks ago, that is built to destroy this team by quickly cutting through their defense that isn't very good in short terms. Sure, they'll get a good pick over the top, but Mike Lennon is not throwing a deep pass this game. Surprise, surprise. It's going to be James Robinson and everything they can do in the margins uh, to win this game. And while I'm kind of concerned about winning this game, because as I talk about the Jets every week in my conspiracy theory portion, uh, that I just don't, I think they're going to tank. I think at the end of the day, these games are close because the Jaguars do not want to win games. And I respect that as a method. Uh, but I think that the Jaguars are going to look like the better team, especially if Dalvin Cook, uh, who is not 100% at the moment, and uh, Coach Mike Zimmer uh, will be a game-time decision. So if he doesn't play, I think it's all the better to take this plus 330 uh, and watch the Vikings lose again. Yeah, well, with Mike Lennon at the helm, uh, one thing's for sure, this game will be neck and neck. Uh, neck and neck indeed, though it will be a little bit more entertaining than the matchup of our next game uh, where the Bengals will be playing the Dolphins in Miami, staying in the same state, uh, but flying a little bit south. Uh, the Bengals coming off a 17-19 to loss to the New York Giants, whereas the Dolphins played the other New York team, and they won 20-3. to The Miami spread is minus 11.5. Frank, how do you see this one turning out? Yeah, I think it would be easy to overthink this and say that the Bengals in their first game without Joe Burrow Nearly pulled off an upset against the Giants, and you could use that as a cat. You could use that as a stepping stone to say that they could cover this 11 and a half point spread against the Dolphins. But I'm not going to do it. The Bengals have not won a game away from home in the past 19 games. Uh, they are 11 and eight against the spread in that stretch. But this Dolphins team, they suffered that upset loss to the Broncos a couple weeks ago. But they bounced back last week against the Jets. They did what they needed to do. Uh, the drop-off from Tua to Fitzpatrick is pretty much non-existent, I would say. And uh, I just don't see a way that the Bengals are able to consistently move the ball and put up points against this Dolphins defense. And uh, I think the Dolphins win this game pretty handedly. Miami is a pretty inhospitable place to younger quarterbacks. And even though it's not Joe Burrow in the lineup, their quarterback that they're replacing with is not of the highest quality uh we're not entirely sure who they will be starting on sunday uh but you know they've had pretty solid success against younger quarterbacks the rookie justin herbert they beat him 29 to 11 giving him his worst uh game of the season they beat kyler murray and the cardinals 34 to 31 probably one of kyler's worst games of the season i just don't think this is a good situation where you can pick a quarter where an untalented quarterback or whoever is at quarterback and say that they're going to beat one of the best secondaries and one of the best pass defenses in general in the nfl yeah, I agree with you. And when your backup quarterback is Brandon Allen, who sounds more like a real estate agent or an accountant than he does an NFL quarterback, probably doesn't bode well for your prospects of winning this game. It's not, uh, but the next team is one that you're still going to take, even though the name of their quarterback is uh, also a stupid name. And that name is Philip Rivers. Uh, of the Indianapolis Colts, who will be going down to NRG Stadium in Houston, Texas, to take on the Texans. The newly victorious Texans who just beat the Detroit Lions 41-25 to on Thanksgiving Day, uh, whereas the Colts are coming off a divisional 26-45 to loss to Tennessee to lose their divisional crown at the moment. Uh, this is still in the NAFC South, so the Colts are going to need to win this game 
to keep up their playoff competition levels. Uh, and they're favored by minus three here. The Houston money line surprisingly low at plus 125. Frank, how do you feel about this Colts-Texans about? Well, uh, the Texans somehow, after starting season one and seven against the spread, they've covered in three straight games. And they're definitely playing uh, considerably better than they were earlier in the season. And that's a testament to the play of Deshaun Watson. And of course, of course, the play of Deshaun Watson. But I also say that, you know, we joke about him a lot, but it seems like Romeo Cornell is kind of pushing the right buttons with this roster right now. Uh, unfortunately, the Texans have not fared well against the Colts in recent memory. Uh, since the start of 2013, a little revisionist history here for you, they're 3-10-1 against the spread and 5-9 and nine overall in their matchups against Indianapolis. And the Colts, uh, they're not flawless, of course, at 7-4, and four, but they have not lost two games in a row this season. And we saw them lose to the Ravens in Week 9 and bounce back the week after with a 34-17 victory against Tennessee. So I think they bounce back here and cover the three-point spread in a game that, of course, means a lot because it's a divisional game. The Colts also need this win for their playoff hopes. So I think that they do just that. The Raiders-Falcons game last week, the Broncos-Dolphins game the week before that, and the Chargers-Rams game the week before that have all been minus three spreads that we've kind of just said, why is it this close? And I, you know, the Texans have been playing well, but they're not anywhere near where the Colts are. And I think injuries might be the reason why this spread is so low. And Jonathan Taylor and Anthony Costanzo both being out is a huge blow to this run game, especially when they're about to face J.J. Watt, who's having a bit of a revival season uh, down in Houston. And uh, that that bodes to be pretty badly. Just look at how their divisional mate, the Titans, have been doing so poorly without their starting left tackle. Uh, and I think that's going to be a big problem. But I think this is one of those games where Vegas knows something we don't. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to go with Houston here, actually, uh, on the surprise upset, just because not for any personal reasons at this point. I think I just really hate. No, Philip that's personal. I mean, it's personal. Yeah, I don't like the Colts. I think Vegas has some reason to say that the Colts aren't going to win this game. Uh, and I am going to jump on the train. Uh, so Houston all the way here. Yeah, well, you definitely can jump the train. Uh, let's just hope you are a good enough conductor to get Houston over the top. A conductor, but I am some sort of a tamer, a lion tamer, if you will, uh, which you'll need to for the two ferocious animals playing in our next game as the Lions come to Chicago to play the Bears, uh, a divisional NFC North matchup with two teams in the NFC North we just don't care about. Uh, well, I care about one of them, but, you know, no one really should. Uh, but you shouldn't, for- but you do. I shouldn't. I'm, I'm, I think I'm giving up on that one this week as the Detroit Lions coming off a 25-41 to 41 loss on Thanksgiving. Uh, versus Houston and Chicago is coming up at 25 to 41 loss to Green Bay. Identical scores. Didn't even realize that until coming into here. Chicago's favored by minus three. Uh, Detroit money line at plus 140. Which NFC animal are you going to go with? Well, if in a perfect world, uh, I wouldn't have to pick either of these teams. Just nothing to be excited about in this matchup whatsoever. On one side, you have the Lions, who have lost two games in a row. Two weeks ago, they got shut out by the Panthers. Of course, last week, uh, a putrid performance on Thanksgiving Day. And then there's the Bears. Your beloved Bears, Rodham, have lost not one, but five straight games, including a another putrid performance against the Packers on Sunday Night Football. I can't think of another instance where a team that has lost five straight games would be favored by three points. And I think that just speaks to how bad this Lions team is on the other side. But at plus 140, conceding that the Lions are not, in fact, a good football team, I think that there is value there. And the only reason is, one, the Bears are bad. And two, we talked about this trend a little bit earlier in the season that when a team fires their head coach in the corresponding game following that decision, they seem to play well. And it's happened twice this season with the Texans firing Bill O'Brien, the Falcons firing Dan Quinn. And in both of those games, immediately after the, the, the firings, the Texans and Falcons won and covered the spread. And this Bears team has had success against the Lions in recent history. It's one of the few teams that Mitchell Trubisky actually plays well against. But I'm taking the Lions here. I don't know who's coaching for them. I don't know if they know who's going to coach for them. But uh, it doesn't matter because the Bears are bad, and that's about all there is to say. 
Big thing that we've got to note, Mitchell Trubisky is historically great versus the Lions. He has 14 touchdowns, four interceptions, and 106 passer rating versus the Lions uh, for 7.9 yards in attempt, 137 for 233. He's just fantastic versus the Lions. And guess what? This defense hasn't changed uh, for the last year and a half that he's been playing them. So you just got to stick with Trubisky. Obviously, I'm putting a lot on the fact that that whoever steps into Matt Patricia's role is not only going to have a very short week to try to get ahead of this game, they're also going to have to deal with one of the best defenses in the NFL. Uh, they're going to have to face a very terrible offense, one of the bottom three offenses in the NFL. But guess what? With Mitch Trubisky at quarterback versus the Lions, they're a top five offense in the NFL, and that's going to win them that game. Yeah, it just might. And uh, I know you would be certainly happy if you're finally right on one of these Bears predictions. But what I'm saying, Rodham, is how much do we have to pay for this game to be swapped out between an actual matchup between physical lions and physical bears as in the animals, because I know I would much rather see that than the two football teams play each other. There's a lot of things I'd rather watch uh, than anything other than this game, but we both know that we're going to end up watching it and it's going to be great. It's going to be terrible. Oh, it it can't be terrible, but you know, what is going to be better than going to be watching a full week of the, the NFL's laughing stock, the New York Jets, who happily, for me, get to play the Las Vegas Raiders this week. Uh, like I mentioned, the Raiders not going to deserve it this time because they lost 6-41 to 41 to Atlanta. Uh, the Jets lost 3-20 to 20 to the Miami Dolphins. The Vegas spread is minus 6. The New York Jets money line plus 280. Frank, which, one, which of these teams do you think gets it back going and gets a win here in week 13? Uh, I think this is pretty easy. I'll keep it short. The Raiders are going to win this game. Uh, I think they'll cover the eight-point spread because the Jets are bad and the Raiders need this game. And in the past 12 games where the Jets were an underdog of a touchdown or more, they are 0-12 and 3-9 and against the spread. And I'll pass it off to you if you have anything else to say. Uh, no, I don't. You know, usually I start off the Raiders talking about how high-ranked their their offense is, but uh, taken quite a dip since last week, uh, so I won't bring up those stats. But for the Jets side of the ball, I will remind everyone that uh, it's still terrible. There's still nothing good to be talking about over there uh, for the Jets. They are the worst-ranked offense in the NFL and the 29th-ranked defense to go along with their 0-11 season. Uh, and so, quite frankly, there's just no reason. Uh, stick with the Raiders here. Uh, hope that Derek Carr gets back on track and can lead this team to the playoffs. Yeah, and the Raiders owe us uh, a win here in convincing fashion because we both sung their praises uh, pretty significantly last week, and they let us down. So hopefully they don't do the same in this game. But you mentioned the Jets, 0-11. Uh, they're still sitting there at plus 110 to finish with an 0-16 record. And as the weeks go on, it becomes increasingly likely that that happens it does and you know they'll join a very elite club with lions and browns to do it uh and it's kind of interesting to see that it's now happened more times this decade than it has ever happened in the history of the nfl if this does in fact happen uh so i wonder if there's going to be any repercussions the fact that teams are just terrible nowadays more than they used to be yeah maybe we should just start a separate league for the teams that are really bad we'll start with the jets and then uh, we'll move on down the line. Maybe the Jaguars next. Start crossing off the names. Uh, the next four names you'd probably want to add to the list is, of course, going to be the NFC East. Uh, the top of which uh, is currently the New York Giants, who come off a 19-17 win in Cincinnati to pull off the lead in their division. Uh, they'll be going against the other division leaders in the NFC, the Seahawks, a team that actually deserves to be in the playoffs uh, as they beat the Eagles 23-17 to on Monday night. Uh, Seahawks are favored by minus 10 here, and the Giants' money line is at 380, Frank. Uh, the G-Men impressed, I dare say, uh, on the first half of that game before losing Mitch Trubisky. They will be starting Colt McCoy this weekend versus the Seahawks. Seahawks' notoriously terrible defense. Will they be able to stop Colt McCoy? Yeah, well, the Seahawks' defense is bad, but they've actually been playing a little bit better in recent weeks, uh, specifically since the acquisition of Carlos Dunlap. Uh, somehow, some way, it seems like that might have had a bit of an impact in the positive, bit of a positive impact for them uh, against this Giants team. It's hard to say whether that's going manif- to manifest or not, and to what extent. If the Giants had a healthy Daniel Jones in this game, you would certainly feel a little bit more optimistic about their chances. Uh, an upset seems far fetched, no matter who's starting a quarterback. 
Uh, the Seahawks are going to win this game. I want to take them at minus 10, but you'd have to go all the way back to week one to find the last time this season and the only time this season that the Seahawks have won a game by more than 10 points. And that was, of course, in the season opener against the Falcons where they won by 13 points. Uh, the Seahawks are decisively the better team. They, they're they playing for the potential number one seed in the NFC, and they're they're playing for a chance at a division title. But they seem to have a tendency to kind of let teams hang around in these games. We saw that last week against the Eagles. And this Giants team is better than that Eagles team, I think, even with Colt McCoy at quarterback. So I think the Seahawks probably win by a touchdown, maybe eight points. But that would be good enough for the Giants to cover the 10-point spread. Yeah, I agree with absolutely everything you said. Uh, and I, I'm taking the, that same spread along with you, but it's got to be a Seahawks game. Uh, I think the player prop maybe to watch for this game has to be DK Metcalf, who destroyed Darius Slay, uh, the Eagles, on Monday night with 10 catches and 13 targets for 177 yards. Uh, you know, the 6-5 Metcalf uh, will be facing a Giants defense that is pretty diminutive. Uh, they do like to play a lot of zone, but if they do happen to go man-on-man, it's likely that James Bradbury, 6'1", 210-pound James Bradbury, is going to have to take on that beast of a man. And uh, at the end of the day, we've seen what Metcalf can do to small uh, small cornerbacks, and the Giants don't have anyone better to put on them. So I'm expecting another big game for DK and a win in Seattle. Yeah, and if any Giants coaches are listening to this podcast for some reason, don't say anything to DK Metcalf before the game because the Eagles defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz said that DK Metcalf reminded him of Calvin Johnson, but that he wasn't quite there yet. And clearly DK took that personally. I mean, who wouldn't want to take a compliment personally? I just, I, I mean, I understand where DK is coming from. A compliment that you may not want to receive uh, is a comparison to quarterback Jared Goff, who didn't manage to win another divisional game versus the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, he has a history for some reason of losing to this team, despite being great against the other two divisional opponents, one of which is going to be the Arizona Cardinals, which he plays this week. Uh, the Rams are coming off, of course, a 20-23 to loss to the San Francisco 49ers, whereas the Cardinals are coming off a 17-20 to loss to the New England Patriots. Two surprising losses by three points for both of these teams uh, that are going to want to win games to make sure that they're in this playoff race. Arizona here is not favored. They have a money line at plus 135, and the Rams come in at minus three spread. Frank, it's McVay versus Kingsbury. Which coach are you siding with here today? Well, I'm going to go with McVay, and I hate to say it, but it feels like we might have jumped the gun a little bit on this Cardinals team. I mean, a few weeks ago, during our midseason review episode, uh, we were saying that this Cardinals team, there was a lot to be excited about and that they had a chance to potentially win this division not just make the playoffs, but win the NFC West. And since we said that, they are moving in the complete wrong direction. They're 1-3 since the bye week. And if not for that miraculous Hail Mary against the Bills, they would be 0-4. And they just haven't looked that impressive in recent weeks. And you can blame it on Kyler Murray's shoulder injury. He certainly looks like he's playing at less than 100%. But I also think it goes back to coaching. And we've talked about some of the issues that Cliff some of the questionable decisions that Cliff Kingsbury has made throughout the season. And it feels like this Cardinals team is just not all that disciplined right now. Obviously they're a young roster. They're going to make mistakes, but they're one of the most penalized teams in the NFL. And that doesn't bode well against a Rams team that is similarly looking to bounce back after a last second defeat against the 49ers. I think that Sean McVay is the better coach in this matchup. The Rams have, the considerably better defense. And unless Jared Goff completely throws this game away with turnovers, I think the Rams are in a good spot here to win this game and cover the three-point spread. Yeah, and season, we both like the Cardinals, but I think that this is going to be a huge game for NFC playoff decisions. Uh, something that I think McVay is, is going to have a better time dealing with than Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, as you know, we, I've talked about it multiple times. Statistically and through many coaching analytics, Cliff Kingsbury has made some of the worst coaching decisions this season. Uh, and I think that in a game that is going to wind up pretty close, maybe a one to two to three to four point affair, uh, you can't really trust him to be the guy that makes the right decisions. While the same thing can be said about Jared Goff on the Rams side, uh, at the end of the day, they also have a very good defense that will be able to cover up some of their stars especially if Aaron Donald can get the Kyler Murray in his bad shoulder, and if Jalen Ramsey and Darius Williams can cover up the D-hop a little bit, 
even 25%. I think this game is going to be a Rams victory. Yeah, 100%. And the Cardinals have not covered in their past four games. And since 2017, when Sean McVay was hired, Rams are 6-0 and against Arizona. And they covered the spread in all but one of those games, with the lone exception being a push. Arizona has not played well against the Rams, and I think that probably continues here in this game. They do. And, uh, you know, in most of those games, the Rams are favored, I assume, because, uh, you know, since McVay has been hired, the Cardinals have not been very good. Uh, And it really tells you what the differences that coaches can make, uh, that we will learn a lot more about the difference a coach can make. As Bill Belichick takes on Anthony Lynn, as the Patriots take on the Chargers in Los Angeles, I keep trying to say San Diego, uh, rest in peace to the San Diego Chargers. The Patriots coming off a 20 to 17 victory versus Arizona, whereas the Chargers coming off a 17 to 27 loss versus the Buffalo Bills. This is essentially a pick 'em, though the Chargers are favored here by minus one on the money line. They're both minus 110. Uh, a close game, uh, which you definitely couldn't have said in the past for these matchups, but you know, some history in uh, these matchups. You remember a lot of playoff games between Philip Rivers and Antonio Gates and that regime in the early decade. Do you think that game will turn out like it usually does with a Patriots victory, Frank? Well, you mentioned how you accidentally said San Diego instead of Los Angeles. Uh, It's funny because the Chargers probably wish that they still played in San Diego because playing in L.A. has done nothing for them in the win column. In their past 20 home games, Chargers are 5-14-1 and against the spread. And if you narrow that microscope down to the past 12 home games, three and nine overall. So what that tells you is the Chargers don't have a home field advantage at all, especially not without any fans there. And the Patriots, I talked about it last week against the Cardinals, and I should have listened to what I was saying, because as an underdog, this New England team, regardless of who's playing on the roster, they thrive. And since the start of 2014, they're nine three. They're nine and three against the spread, and eight and four overall in games in which they weren't favored. Uh, a couple of those positive results coming, of course, this year. Mention the coaching discrepancy between Bill Belichick and Anthony Lynn. That for me is the biggest reason why I'm going to take the Patriots here at plus one and minus one ten on the money line because Anthony Lynn, he seems like a nice guy. Seems like his players like him. He kind of became a star on Hard Knocks. But he just doesn't do well in these close situations with this Chargers team. Uh, Constantly you're scratching your head at some of the decisions that he makes late in games. Part of the reason why they're 0-5 against the spread in their past five matchups, which is the longest streak of non-covering spreads in the NFL. So I'm going to take the Patriots here as a slight underdog. I'm going to agree with you on that one. And I think the coaching discrepancy is what pushes it over. I think the Chargers are, at the end of the day, a more talented team, especially with the more talented quarterback. I mean, Justin Herbert's thrown for 300 yards in three of the last four games. Uh, and that Hail Mary, the last second, should have been the one uh, that really capped this game off for the Chargers and made it a much closer game versus the Bills. But just question mark after question mark from Anthony Lynn. And we saw one coaching change this weekend from Matt Patricia out with the Lions. And while Adam Gase can questionably still has his job. I think the next one in line has to be Anthony Lynn. you got to get a new coach in there to go with your star quarterback. And I, I just don't see Anthony Lynn being the guy making so many strange decisions at the end of games. And the fact that they've lost four one-possession games this year is exemplary of that. And Anthony Lynn, it's time to go. And the door should be opened by Bill Belichick. Yeah, for sure. And I'm glad we're on the same page here. And, you know, Bill Belichick... One of his MOs throughout his coaching career has been his, his success against uh, first and second year quarterbacks. And the past two Patriots victories this season have been against the Ravens with Lamar Jackson and last week the Cardinals with Kyler Murray. So Herbert has been great this year, but going up against Bill Belichick, especially for a rookie quarterback, is no easy task. Yeah, I mean, it's not easy has to beat Bill Belichick in general, but one team that is used to doing that is the Philadelphia Eagles that, of course, beat him in a Super Bowl uh, with their quarterback, Nick Foles. Uh, no longer is he their quarterback, though they now have another question mark due to their backup quarterback, and his name is Jalen Hurts. Because of another bad performance by Carson Wentz on primetime for the world to see as he lost 2017 to the Seattle Seahawks. Green Bay, on the other hand, has their quarterback position still locked solid as they won the divisional matchup with the Bears 41-25. to Green Bay here is favored by minus eight and a half. Philadelphia's money line is at plus 295. NFC matchup, Frank, which side are you on? 
Well, it pains me to see the seams fall apart at the helm with this Eagles team. Uh, you mentioned that Super Bowl that they won against the Patriots, which seems like ages ago, decades ago. I can't even remember how old I was when that happened, let alone the fact, despite the fact that it was only a few years prior. This Eagles team has inspired uh, no sort of confidence in recent weeks. I know they covered their spread in mirac- miraculous fashion last week against the Seahawks via the back door, which I know you and I both love to see, but I don't think that's going to happen here in this game. The Packers, as an eight-and-a-half-point favorite, is a little risky because that's a spot where they haven't performed all that well this season. But you know, Rodham, the Packers have a guy named Aaron Rodgers plays quarterback for them, who's a bad man. And since 2009, when he's played at home in December, he is 18 and two, 16 and four against the spread. And fear not, because the Eagles on the road this year, one and four overall, and one and four against the spread. And playing in the chilly atmosphere of Lambeau Field, I'm going to go with the Packers here to win by double digits. Yeah, all that home stuff is always something that's interesting about the Packers. You know, them and them, the Vikings and the Broncos really do have huge home field advantage, especially in this year when the weather is now the biggest factor in home field advantage, because obviously no one has fans. And I think that's going to come into a major play here uh, as they host the Eagles. And I don't know. I mean, if Carson Wentz can't get it done on a pretty clear night with nice weather for players to catch, I don't know what's going to happen when his receivers aren't even able to catch things, because not only are his passes bad, but it's too chilly to catch things. So, uh, yeah, I think the Packers are a safe one here based entirely on the fact that they're playing here at home against a bad team. Uh, and it's supposed to be a pretty cold one uh, in which Aaron Jones will probably run over that defense. Yeah, and we, we talked about it last week about the Eagles' potential organizational organizational changes on the rise if they continue to struggle. And uh, not to harp on it too much again, but there are some odds on which individual will leave the organization first, that being Doug Peterson, the coach, Howie Roseman, the GM, or Carson Wentz, of course, the starting quarterback. Doug Peterson, the favorite with four to nine odds, followed by Howie Roseman at seven to four, Carson Wentz being the least likely, according to Vegas, to find himself on the street at 10 to one odds. Uh, Rodham, do you agree with that ranking with Peterson, Roseman, and Wentz? I do not, because while Vegas does get a lot of things right, I think there's an in- institutional things in the city of Philadelphia that says that you do not get rid of your coach, you get rid of your star players, and year after year after year after year, you choose any sport, whether it be the Flyers, the Phillies, the Eagles, or the 76ers, star players are always going to be thrown under their bus for whatever their coaches happened. happened. Uh, Andy Reid is a big factor uh, that happened for that, the Eagles for that, and Carson Wentz is definitely out that door before Doug Peterson, a Super Bowl winning coach. It's not something Carson Wentz can say because he just happens to have a ring on a finger. He didn't win that game. Uh, Doug Peterson did win that game. He has a coach of the year on his mantle for a reason. And I think the Eagles will see it the same way that I do, uh, that Wentz is much, 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 much more expendable uh, than Peterson is. Yeah, I definitely agree. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see. But you mentioned Andy Reid uh, as somebody who doesn't watch any football. Where is Andy Reid coaching now? You might have to turn on your TV on Sunday night football to watch his Chiefs take on the Broncos on Sunday night. Uh, the Broncos coming off a 3-31 to New Orleans loss, uh, but worry not, they will have quarterbacks back for this game. Uh, so someone is going to be able to lose this game to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs, of course, coming off a 27-24 to Tampa Bay Buccaneers victory. Uh, but don't let the scoreline fool you. Uh, they killed it. And a big help from that was, of course, Tyreek Hill, who propelled them to that victory and might be a big reason why the KC is favored here by 13 and a half points. And the Denver money line is at plus 575. Frank, I both think we, I think we can both agree that it's out of the question that the Broncos win this game. But do you think they keep it close enough to cover the 13 and a half point spread? I don't. And it doesn't matter whether they have a quarterback playing, whether they're playing a loaf of bread behind center, whether they're playing you or I behind center. Uh, the Chiefs are just too good. They are operating on a different level than any other team in the NFL right now, I think. And that three-point victory against the Buccaneers, like you kind of alluded to, is a little misleading. I mean, that was a game they were up 17-0 to in. They kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit. But when you're as good as they are, you can afford to do that. And that's what they do. In between games and week to week, sometimes their consistency falters, and it doesn't matter because... When they flip the switch, which they can do whenever they want, nobody's touching them. 
And I don't think this Broncos team is going to touch them at all. I think the Chiefs, as they did earlier in the season against the Broncos, 43-16 to 16 victory. I think we see a similar result here. The Chiefs are good. The Broncos are not good. And before I pass it off to you, Rotom, I will mention that since November of 2015, the Chiefs are 30-3 and against divisional opponents. And that includes a 10-0 and record against the Broncos in their past 10 meetings, 9-1 and against the spread in those 10 games. And I rest my case with that. Yeah, the stats surely back up the fact that you have to trust the Chiefs on not just the money line, of course, on the spread. Um, and I think that divisional thing is the thing that strikes me not as surprising because 30-3 and three is just about the numbers we're expecting for Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, even though it goes further back than Mahomes was there. Shout out to Alex Smith before he was robo-leg. Uh, but it always feels like the Chiefs are trying to remind everyone that they are the best team in this division. Uh, and even though they had lackluster games versus the Raiders and, you know, lackluster for them is they're still dropping 35 points and Patrick Mahomes is on the NFL highlight list. Uh, but they still murdered, as you, as you mentioned, they murdered the Broncos at 40, 30, 43 to 16. Uh, they had a close game with the Chargers, uh, but that was mostly due to the Chargers defense that ended up going to overtime that the Chiefs still won. Uh, and they end their season with their last game against the Chargers. I wouldn't expect, I would expect that both this game versus the Broncos and the next game versus the Chargers uh, are going to be incredible games for Mr. Mahomes. Uh, and I think the best bet of the week, as it usually is, aside from Aaron Rodgers, plus two and a half touchdowns, uh, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes to throw three here versus a l- incredibly underachieving Broncos defense. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you. Uh, but, you know, you know, Rodan, what comes after Sunday night is Monday night. And sources are saying that there might be two games this Monday instead of one. Can you confirm that that's true? I can confirm that, and I just talked about an underachieving defense, and here in the first matchup of the Monday Night Football games, we have two of the most overachieving defenses in the NFL. The Washington football team heads up to Pittsburgh, now COVID-free and Raven-free, where the Pittsburgh Steelers, the 11-0 Pittsburgh Steelers, are coming in after beating Baltimore. 19-14. 19-14. to 14. Washington coming off a 41-16 to 16 victory Thursday night uh, on Thanksgiving is leading us to a Pittsburgh spread of minus 9 with a Washington money line of plus 385. Frank, you love to do it every week. What nonsense are you going to tell me about why the Pittsburgh Steelers are not going to do as well as I think they are? Well, I'm not going to tell you that they're going to lose uh, because I think they are going to win this game, and there's no denying that fact. But there are some trends here that I think work into the favor of Washington. Uh, Washington, since the start of 2019, is only 2-5, and five, both straight up and against the spread, against teams from the AFC. However, if there's one spot where they do tend to exceed expectations, it's when they're a double-digit underdog. And I know that they're a nine-point underdog in this game, so they're not technically double digits. But the line was 10.5 points less than 24 hours ago, so I'm going to count it. And in their past 10 games, as a double-digit underdog, they're 7-3 and three against the spread. Whereas the Steelers, on the other hand, when they're favored by double digits, it's a spot that they haven't been graded. There are only 1-7 and seven against the spread in those games. We saw on Wednesday afternoon against the Ravens, uh, a JV team that the Ravens fielded at Heinz Field. They only won by 5 points, despite that line inflating all the way to 10 points to 10 points at kickoff. And I think Washington here, given that they haven't played since Thanksgiving, they're far more, they're significantly more well-rested than a Steelers team that is on a short week. And I think the Steelers could potentially overlook a team like Washington in this game. And I think it could be a lot closer than the nine point, than nine point favoritism would indicate. So I think the Steelers win this game maybe by six points or seven points, but don't sleep on Washington to make it close. You're not the only person uh, that actually thinks that way. It's actually a pretty big thing in Vegas right now is a lot of the money is going to Washington plus nine because of a lot of the trends. But I'm kind of sick of people talking about the Steelers team and saying, oh, they're going to look over this team or this team. This team has a goal, and it's very clearly to be 16-0. And that means that they're not going to overlook any team. And a team coached by Mike Tomlin, I truly believe, is not going to have the mentality for any game for the rest of the season. While Washington did look good against Dallas on Thursday, I mean, we're talking about night and day here about a different defense that they're facing. I mean, even with Bud Dupree, which I will admit is a huge, nearly unreplaceable loss for this Pittsburgh defense, they're still the number two defense in the NFL and number one versus the pass. Specifically, if they can stop Antonio Gibson, which I don't think is a big if, 
Uh, I don't know where the dynamo is coming off of this Washington team because at the end of the day, the Steelers offense is much more talented than, their, than the Washington defense, despite its talented front seven. Uh, they still have four wide receivers that could easily gobble up 100 yards on this defense and not really put anyone in question. Uh, and Pittsburgh is still the best team in football that doesn't have Patrick Mahomes by a large margin. Uh, and I think that the Steelers deserve their respect on that one, and that's why I'm going minus nine. Yeah, well, you might be right. We'll just have to uh, agree to disagree on this one because I don't think we're ever going to see eye to eye on the Steelers team. Apparently not. Uh, but I think we're going to continue not seeing eye to eye in this next matchup of another team uh, that is kind of up and down, but is more known for their defense. Uh, and it showed off uh, last week against the Rams as the San Francisco 49ers come into Buffalo to play the Bills uh, coming off their 23 to 20 victory over the LA Rams, whereas Buffalo just won 27 to 17 against the LA Chargers. Uh, the Bills are favored by minus two and a half. Bills certainly in the playoff race. 49ers with a win here could re-enter the playoff race. How do you feel this one goes? Yeah, and I think that well, I think that last sentence that you mentioned is pretty remarkable, that the 49ers are still somehow in a position to make the postseason. I think we were both on the record just a few weeks ago saying that their season was over, that they just had too many injuries, that, and it was too late for them to be able to overcome and prevail given the adversity that they're facing. However, they certainly exceeded expectations recently, especially last week when they defeated the Rams, which neither of us saw coming. And this is another potential trendy upset pick. And I think there's definitely merit to picking the 49ers in this game, especially if you look at the fact that, that these two teams, the 49ers and the Bills, one of them relishes playing on Monday night and the other does not. In the Bills, over the past five years, 0-4 on Monday night football and 1-6 straight up against the spread. 1-6 straight up and 1-5 against the spread in primetime games in general during that spot during that span however in their past 5 games against NFC teams they are 5 and 0 against the spread 4 and 1 overall with that lone loss coming via the Hail Mary against the Cardinals just a few weeks ago i think this is a spot where the bills can take advantage of the talent disparity between these two teams uh, the 49ers they're scrappy they show fight but the bills are at home the 49ers having to travel across country and the Bills still fighting for playoff positioning near the top of the AFC. Think that they show up here and cover a two and a half point spread and win the game. Yeah, and I understand what you're taking the Bills. You mentioned earlier, I mean, it's a trendy pick because the 49ers have just looked really good. Um, and I think one of the reasons that is because they're just such an underdog. We talked a few times uh, about coaches that are just better as an underdog. Uh, and the expectations that the 49ers have right now are... Well, if you told them three weeks ago that they could be in a position to re-enter the playoff race, they'd be absolutely amazed. And the fact that their defense has been good enough to maintain that position, and now that they have Raheem Mostert and Debo Samuel and a few other pieces on the offensive side uh, back, obviously they don't have Jimmy G, which is a big question mark here, but the Buffalo defense hasn't been too good this season against any quarterback. So I think any potential Kyle Shanahan shenanigans uh, could be the reason that the Bills end up losing this game. And Josh Allen, who's had... More and more turnovers week in, week out. Uh, I just think he's going to have a bad one here uh, versus the Niners defense that has shown that big quarterbacks don't scare them. Uh, they have done incredibly well against some of the all-pro quarterbacks that they've faced this season, including Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. And I think that Josh Allen is going to find his way onto that list as the 49ers, I say, win 24 to 21. Uh, a close win by a close win won, of course, by Mr. Robbie Gould. Hmm, well, you know, I would love to see back-to-back -back Robbie Gould game winners. And of course, who wouldn't? And I like the fact that you gave a pinpoint score prediction, which is always great to see. Uh, but I do have to correct myself briefly. I said the Bills were playing at home. Oh, they're not playing in San Francisco. They're playing in Arizona. Uh, that is, they're playing at the Cardinal Stadium due to the COVID-19 restrictions in Santa Clara County. Uh, Rotom, do you think that gives the 49ers any sort of an edge here that it is still on the West Coast, per se? I do, and because the Bills are still in Buffalo. I mean, it's a very different experience. If you're moving from negative 10 degrees in Buffalo right now to 72 degrees in Glendale, Arizona, I think you're not going to be able to get that same way of playing. And it might be interesting to see how they adapt to that. 
but we'll have the advantage of it week uh, with Tuesday Night Football with the Cowboys take on the Ravens. The Cowboys coming up a 16-41 to 41 loss uh, on Thursday night on Thanksgiving. And while the other team were supposed to play on Thanksgiving, they ended up just earlier this day uh, as Baltimore lost to Pittsburgh 14-19 to 19, thanks to a Trace McSorley touchdown. Uh, Got to shout out Mr. McSorley. Uh, the Ravens, our favorite team. The Cowboys, a team that I for some reason really liked at the beginning of the season. Frank, which of these two teams are you going to go with on Tuesday night? Well, Rodham, I'm going to let you go ahead and start this one off, seeing as though you have a vested interest in both of these teams, whereas I only have a vested interest in one of them. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts before I give my spiel. Uh, yeah, there's still a lot of balls in the air uh, with this one, specifically about who the Ravens <laughs> are going to field. Uh, it's looking like Lamar Jackson will be back in time for this game. Um, but none, <laughs> either way, I think the Ravens have to be favored here. You know, the Cowboys just lost by a lot of points to the Washington football team because of errors by their quarterback. And Washington offense still deserves enough discredit to remind itself that it has not looked good. And despite having all of those weapons available to it, be it C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, Zeke, just so many fantastic pieces to work with. They still keep flailing in the ball, and now they're going against one of the most talented passing defenses in the league. Uh, I think Andy Dalton throws a pair of picks here uh, as the Ravens easily win, uh, and I am happy with that result. Yeah, I would definitely be happy with the, with that result as well, and I'm in the same boat with you on this one. Uh, if Lamar Jackson plays, which you mentioned it looks like he's going to, uh, it's good because he's playing against an NFC team, and believe it or not, he has never lost to an NFC team in his career as an NFL starter, which is kind of remarkable, all things considered. And specifically against NFC teams, he's gone 8-0, and that includes two two wins this year against the Washington football team and the Eagles. Uh, The Cowboys this year are 1-6 against the spread and straight up in their past seven road games, 2-9 against the spread overall this season, which, again, is the worst mark in the NFL. I bring that up every week. But it is worth noting because they continue to play at a below average level. The Ravens, of course, lost to the Steelers on Wednesday. But I think there's some positives you can take away from that game. (laughs) Given the fact that they were missing 18 players on the COVID-19 list and they were not able to practice more than once or twice leading up to that game, they showed resiliency and they showed fight. And I think that those are positives you can use to catapult yourself towards a second half run and a potential playoff push. And if that does happen, it has to start here against the Cowboys team that they should beat. And I think they will. Absolutely. And, you know, with this pick against the Cowboys, we've now predicted that all four teams in the NFC East will be losing this week uh, with the Cowboys at the Ravens, Washington football team at the Steelers, the Eagles at the Packers and the Giants at the Seahawks. All four of them will be playing playoff contenders at the very least. Uh, we have odds here, uh, thanks to you, uh, you know, with your usual resources uh, that will the NFC East lose all four of its games with a plus 140 yes and a minus 180 no. Frank, it seems that we're in agreement uh, that it's going to be a plus 140 yes. Yeah, and if you can find a way to bet on this actual prop, I think you have to lay the money at the plus 140 yes. Uh, More often than not, betting against the NFC, both individually and as a whole, is usually something that will work out in your favor. And you mentioned it, all four of the NFC East teams this week on the road against playoff contenders. I'd be hard-pressed to see any of these teams pulling off upsets. And I know you feel the same way, but I'd ask you, if one of these NFC East teams were to find a way to win this week, which one do you think is most likely, given the matchup at hand? That's a tough question, because that that's... I don't think I'm going to watch any of these games, especially because none of their premier quarterbacks are playing well. I mean, Carson Wentz sucks. Danny Danny Dimes is out. Um, Robo leg. I mean, I guess Robo leg right probably is the best looking one at the moment, uh, and therefore I think he's the one. Despite me loving the Steelers a lot, I think somehow if a quarterback were to lead their team to victory, I think it would be a Washington Football Team uh, and Alex Smith. Yeah, and I think I have to agree with you. And I think it's once again we say it every week, but the NFC East, the state of the NFC East, just continues to become sadder and sadder as the weeks go on. And one of these teams is going to emerge from the pack and make the playoffs and host a playoff game. And I don't know if I can't wait to see what happens or if I don't want to see what happens at all. 
just a reminder, both times two playoff teams have made and hosted a playoff game without a winning record. They won both of those games. So uh, we'll have to see if the NFC East is going to do more of that. It'll be interesting to see who gets lined up with them. Because at that point, you know, do you want to be the team that plays in the NFC East? If you're one of the NFC teams in contention for the wildcard spot, you've got to look at that five spot as coveted right now because you would want to play whichever team comes out of the NFC East in the first round. Obviously, that would be the easiest matchup. If you're the Buccaneers, Rams, or Cardinals, you've really got to look at making a push for that five spot because being the number five seed versus being the number six seed seems like that's way more important this year than it usually is uh, under normal circumstances. Absolutely. Uh, though it still it will set you up with a spot against the number one team in the NFC. Uh, but that just adds more and more intrigue in what is setting up to be a phenomenal year of NFL playoffs. But we'll talk more about the playoffs in just a few weeks from now. Uh, but you know, Frank, what we're going to talk about very, very soon, uh, the NBA. Coming to you next week will be our first NBA preview as we preview the East. Uh, so make sure to stay tuned for that. You can do that and stay tuned for more of our content at Play It Pod on Twitter and on Instagram. You can also check it out. Um, you can also check me out at Rodham Kaufman. Frank, where can our listeners find you? You can find me on Twitter at FrankJP0. And, uh, you know, Rodham, did I ever tell you the time that I fell in love during a backflip? Did I ever tell you about that? What happened? Well, I don't know. I don't remember entirely, but I can tell you for sure that I was heels overhead. Frank, you never cease to amaze and to entertain with your jokes, and we hope we can continue entertaining you as we see you and all of our lovely listeners next week. (laughs) 